Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, written to a church community that Paul knew really well. Corinth was a major port city in the ancient world and had lots of temples to Greek and Roman gods. It was a big economic center. And so Paul strategically came here as a missionary. He spent a year and a half there getting to know people, talking to them about Jesus. And a whole bunch of people became followers of Jesus and formed a church community. You can read about all of this in Acts chapter 18. So after a while, Paul moved on to start churches in other cities, and he started getting reports that things were not going well at all back at the church in Corinth. It was plagued by all kinds of problems, and that's why he wrote this letter. It's broken up into five main parts along with a final greeting. And these five sections correspond to five main problems that Paul is addressing. And so the letter reads like a collection of short essays on different topics, but there are these core ideas that unite all of the pieces together. So here's what he does in each section. He describes the problem, but then he always responds to that problem with some part of the story of the gospel, which is the good news about Jesus. And he shows how they're actually not living out what they say they believe. And so this letter is all about learning to think about every area of life through the lens of the gospel. So let's dive in and see how he does it. In chapters one through four, the problem is that there are these divisions in the church. There are some other teachers who had come through town since Paul left, a guy named Apollos and then Peter, and people had picked their favorite teacher and then became groupies around that leader and then started to talk bad and disrespect people who favored another leader or teacher. And so Paul, his response to this is kind of sarcastic and sharp. He says, you have to be kidding me, right? The church is not a popularity contest. The church is a community of people who are centered around Jesus. Its leaders and its teachers are simply servants of Jesus. So while you might prefer one leader more than another, it's not worth dividing over and certainly not speaking poorly about each other. The center of the church is Jesus and the good news about who he is and what he's done. In chapters 5 through 7, Paul addresses some problems related to sex. There were a number of people sleeping around in the church. One guy with his stepmother, a number of other people still worshiping at the local temples to Greek gods and sleeping with the prostitutes who worked there. Not only that, but there were people in the church who were saying that this was all just fine. They said, hey, we're free in Christ. God's grace is bottomless, right? It's fine. Paul says it's not fine. And with the gospel in hand, he shows just how wrongheaded this kind of thinking is. He says, remember, first of all, Jesus died for your sins, including the ruin of broken relationships that's caused by sexual misconduct. And so if you're a Christian, sexual integrity is one of the main ways that we respond to Jesus's love and grace. Paul also reminds them that just as Jesus was physically raised from the dead, so our bodies will be raised from the dead, which means this. If your body is being redeemed by Jesus now and in the future, then what you do with your body matters. It matters a lot. And it's not yours to do whatever you want with. Paul's being super clear. Being a follower of Jesus involves no compromise when it comes to sexual integrity. Good morning. Welcome again. Um, that video is from the Bible Project. They do a really good job of providing an overview um, of the whole book, um, actually. I just did up to the section we've covered so far. Um, today we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23, till 11, verse 1. Um, if this is your first time here, or um, 
if you're visiting, um, we've been going through the book of Corinthians, and I started with that video kind of to get you caught up on the things we've looked at so far. Um, I'll go ahead and read the passage. Um, we should have it on the screen as well. We won't have all the. We might not have all the verses on the screen, but you can follow along in your Bible. So we'll go ahead and read that together. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is said before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you. And for the sake of conscience, I, not, I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all, the, all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do. Not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Yeah. And then um, the last verse, 11 verse 1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So I'll go ahead and um, pray for us. Lord, um, Thank you for this time together where we can um, look at your word together. Um, thank you for your word, Lord, how it um, gives us instruction on how to live. And pray that we will learn something from the Corinthian church and how we um, can apply that into our lives as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm not sure if you guys got it, but most of this um, passage focus on food. I know Kyle said I was going to go 45 minutes to an hour, but I won't be that long. <laughs> so you guys can eat since we'll be talking about food quite a bit. So you guys don't have to wait too long. Um, so I'll, we'll just go through the passage first by first, and I'll make some comments on it. Um, as you saw in the introduction video, there were lots of issues going on in the church at the time, in the Corinthian church. So this is another topic that um, Paul is addressing at this time. Um, and it talks about food and how we as believers should interact with that, whether it's with um, believers or unbelievers. And he gives some good guidance on that. So we'll start looking at the first few verses. He says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. So yes, as believers, um, we do have a lot of freedom in Christ. Uh, we have freedom to eat, to drink, the things... Um, the kind of activities we 
participated, but he said not all things are helpful. Like even though we have that freedom, doesn't mean that we can just go and do anything we want. We have to make sure that it also builds up one another in the freedom that we have. And he, in verse 24, he brings up a good point. With this freedom we have, we have to make sure um, that we don't seek our own good, but the good of our neighbor. Um, I'll read some other references as well. For instance, Romans 15 verse 1 um, talks about um, helping our, our brothers that are weak. I'll go ahead and read that. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So yes, we have this freedom in Christ, but we also have to make sure we um, are aware of the weaknesses other people have. And as we go on into this passage, it's focused specifically on food and how we as believers should interact with that. Um, thinking about this passage, I know at that time, there was a lot of food that was sacrificed to idols, so... There was some conflict, I'm not sure, and you guys can um, jump in. Um, I might ask some questions. I'm not sure, like right now, in our context, how that would apply, eating food sacrificed to idols. I know where I grew up, we had a lot of different cultures, like Hinduism, Islam, where they have certain feasts they celebrate where they have food, like how would we as believers interact with that? But you guys can jump in. Like, are there any places that come to mind where you'd be like, as a believer, I wouldn't want to participate in that? I would say probably like, uh, like pride parades and stuff when they have like okay. pride parades and they have celebrations. But like if they were to have like cake or food or pride, sort of stuff. That would be stuff that's like, you know, off So, um, in verse 25, at that time, I'm not sure if we still do that, like go to a physical market. We know we have um, convenience stores, Walmart, Aldi, where we go shopping. But it says, eat whatever is sold in a meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. Um, Food is something we eat every day. Like, we need to eat food to survive. Um, so whenever you're out and about, whether you're um, buying food locally, um, he said you have that freedom to eat that food. Um, in that context, yes, it could be food that they didn't do like a ritual before they sold it or not. But Paul said you do have the freedom to eat the food that you buy wherever you are. And he continues to say, for the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Um, kind of saying that everything on this earth um, is provided by God. So he's not placing a limitation on what, on what you can or can't do. He's just saying everything um, on this earth is from God. And that's a reference from the Old Testament in Psalm 24, verse 1 till 2. 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. So everything that, that's in this world, um, food, um, animals, however you want to divide it up, um, that's provided by God. So God said there's no real limitation on what we can or can't have. Um, one commentator, so I'll, I'll read it, um, had this comment on that. Paul's citation on Psalm 24, verse 1, is consistent with the prevalent Jewish understanding of its relevance for the way God's people approach the food that he graciously provides. Paul is thoroughly Jewish and biblical in his understanding that creation is good and the food we receive has been provided for us by God and should be received with thanksgiving. And with the understanding that food, like everything else in creation, exists to fulfill the purpose of God, has in mind for it, namely, His glory. So yeah, Paul raises um, one issue, like about the food, whether where you buy it, and then um, reading on, he also... Um, next talks about when you're offered food, if you go, for instance, to somebody's ho- house for dinner, how should you as a believer interact with that? So in verse 24, he said, if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is said before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of that for which I give thanks. Um, so yeah, I guess a question would be, um, how would you guys interact? Like if you uh, were to go to somebody's house and you're not sure, like about the food they're serving, if they prayed over it or it's like specific ritual to it before they served, served it, how would you, how would you respond? Would you just be like, okay, that's it, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an opportunity maybe to you know, introduce the gospel and you know, you know who Jesus is and I mean it could cause controversy for sure but it, it's just like I think it's just out of respect like I wouldn't say just like oh you know, like, I would be like okay unfortunately I can't even because of, because of like what I believe in and I've heard of Jesus, I don't know, but if they get offended, which could possibly happen, mm-hmm. I think mean, not being rude, but I don't know, it's just guessing to things like adults, we can have conversations and say, so they're clear that you don't believe in those things, so it doesn't get misconstrued. Yeah. 
Anybody else? Go ahead, Rail. She has a good point. Um, I would I would take it as an opportunity to like have fellowship with them, but not like do not eat the food that they did the ritual over, uh, because we are supposed to stand out, and it does provide a great uh, segue into like, oh, why aren't you eating this? And then sharing the gospel, and then planting that seed for God to water later. The, uh, yeah, and like not to like. What is it? Ostracize them for like, oh, you did this. I'm, I'm, I am going to leave now. But like to like come next to them and say, hey, like I, I don't believe this, but I'm still willing to be your friend because I do love you. Yep. All good comments. There's a another passage I'll also look at in Romans 14, which talks about something similar as well. How we as Believers should respond. So Romans 14, verse 15 to 21. I'll go ahead and read that. And thanks, Brielle, for helping out. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. And this um, verse is important. It kind of focuses on what our um, purpose and goal should be. So he's not focusing necessarily um, on the eating and drinking, but he said, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So he said, those things, yes, it's important to eat and drink, but that's not our main focus as believers. Whoever does serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by man. So let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it's wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. So if, for instance, um, and I know my background, I grew up in South America, and we ate a lot of crazy things growing up. So I, if, for instance, somebody would be offended if I ate some um, monkey meat, I wouldn't like bring it to the church and serve to everybody. So that's basically what it's saying. So if it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats, whether that's bizarre food or food that's offered to idols, I wouldn't like um, serve that up to someone if I know that would be an issue. Um, also, with the Corinthian church, you had some young believers that we're still kind of in the middle of whether they should still follow the practices they did before they became believers, because they would just, it didn't bother them what kind of food they ate, whether it was sacrificed to an idol or they performed some ritual on it. Um, so in order to 
kind of set them on the right path. Um, Paul said that, please be aware of um, other weak brothers as well, that they don't stumble. So it, it's not good to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. And we also see that in the Old Testament, at the time, they, the Israelites, they were also having the same problems where there were um, different offerings that were offered to God. For instance, in Exodus 34, verse 15. So kind of Moses was reminding them, hey, since you're God's people, make sure you don't associate with these things. So let's, I'll read it. Lest you make a confidence with the inhabitants of the land, and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you weren't invited, you eat of his sacrifice. So kind of similar concept as well. Um, and we see it's, it's repeated in scripture. So something we as believers have to be aware of. Um, and throughout the book of First Corinthians, um, I know verse eight and ten it quite, talked quite about um, quite a bit about this already. For instance, in verse eight, verse nine till thirteen, also talks about um, how we as believers should interact with um, the weaker brothers. So First Corinthians eight, verse nine till thirteen. Um, Basically, a summary of this passage again. Especially the last um, few verses, 11, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 11. And so by your knowledge, this weak brother is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. So by eating the food that we shouldn't, we're really doing harm to other people in the church that are struggling with this. Thus sinning against your brother and wounding their conscience. When it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. And that's a bold statement um, to make that you would... Not eat meat anymore. I'm not sure if I would be able to make that. <laughs> but it does say something, which we'll see in the coming passages. Um, it does say something about what it takes to live in harmony and peace with one another. That the things we do, um, not necessarily food, but other things we do, we can apply it um, broader even. That the things that we do, make sure that it doesn't cause um, another brother to stumble. Um, food, um, drinking as well could also be a, a big thing. I know in some churches, like some people don't drink alcohol. It's not that the Bible is against it. I don't think the Bible is against it. But if, for instance, my brother sees me drinking alcohol and it's um, 
an issue that could cause them to stumble, I would stop drinking alcohol. And that's um, some people's personal conviction that, hey, I don't want to be a hindrance to someone's um, growth in the Lord if this is going to be an issue for them. So verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So it doesn't matter what we do, the focus is always on God. Um, we want to glorify in everything, glorify God in everything we do, by eating, drinking, um, whatever we do. Um, and there's a, a passage that talks about that, Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deeds, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then I think the reference, I didn't put the reference down. I think it's First Peter 4, verse 10 and 11. Um, it's also a good reference passage. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. So as believers, we serve one another. Um, there are some practical ways we can serve within the church, but yes, we can also serve others by the things we do, whether we eat, drink, um, or other things that would cause another brother or sister to stumble. So give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Um, looking back at verse 24, says that again, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Yes, as believers, we do have freedom in Christ. But in our freedom, we're also making sure that we build up one another by what we do. And then Paul says, he ends this way, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So as believers, we follow, um, in this case, Paul's example because he dedicated his life to following Christ. So we as believers can also follow in that example um, to sacrifice in um, various ways and aspects in our life. And um, 
I'll close with this. Um, Philippians 2, that kind of sums it up um, with the freedom that we have in Christ and how we go about it as um, believers. Philippians 2, verse 4 and 5. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then, I don't have the whole passage printed out, but it kind of continues on in the passage um, about how Christ sacrificed himself um, for us um, by dying on the cross. So Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. So as believers, yes, we have freedom um, to do anything we want that's lawful, um, but we need to use it wisely. Um, and we use it wisely also by how we serve one another in the body. So making sure that um, whether we're eating or drinking or anything else we do, that it won't be an offense to other believers or unbelievers. Um, and also making sure that, um, I like what Raquel said, that we kind of state what we stand for and not just eat anything that's served to us um, as believers. And that we can glorify God by what we eat or drink. Um, so that's what I had to share. Um, I'll end with a video from the Bible Project, which kind of summarizes um, 1 Corinthians 8 to 10. And then the worship team can come up. In chapters 8 through 10, the issue is about food, but not just food preferences, like do you like or dislike a certain food. The issue the Corinthians were divided over is meat that came from animals sacrificed in the local temples to Greek and Roman gods. And there was a split between the Jewish and non-Jewish Christians about how to respond to this issue. And once again, Paul appeals to some core ideas from the gospel. He says, our allegiance, first and foremost, is to Jesus as Lord, not to any other gods. And so, if you're in a situation where there's meat that's been dedicated to another god, and there are people around who might watch you and conclude, oh, look, hey, Christians worship Jesus, and they can worship other gods too. Paul says, if that's the scenario, don't eat the meat. Your loyalty is to Jesus, and you should love those people more than yourself and not mislead them. But Paul quickly qualifies this and says, listen, as Christians, we believe God is the creator of all things, including that animal. And the temple idols, we believe, are just pieces of wood and stone. So if there's no one around who's going to misunderstand your actions and you're hungry, eat up. You're free as a new human in Christ to follow your conscience in these kind of debatable matters. So what makes it okay in one situation to eat, but not in the other? The core principle is love. Love will deny itself and look out for the well-being of other people. And love, God's love, is at the core of the gospel. It's what Jesus did when he died for us. And so Paul says it's what Christians should do for other people.